I'm Laura Green. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show that brings you the best in sapphic fiction. Join me as I chat with authors, narrators, and friends who share my love for the genre. You will learn things you didn't know about your favorites and get some suggestions for your next read. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast. If you're a fan of women's hockey, today's guest has written the books for you. Kelly Farmer, welcome and thanks for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Calling the Shots, the third book in your Out on the Ice series was just released. For anyone who hasn't read it yet, tell them about Reagan and Tyranny. Calling the Shots, uh, as you mentioned, is book three in the Out on the Ice series. It's a sweet second chance-ish romance. We have Regan Lane, who is a retired former superstar player. I kind of think of her as the Megan Rapinoe of women's hockey. And um, she ghosted Tierney after a youthful fling that they had. And Tierney has never quite forgiven her for it. And so Tierney McGovern is the head coach of the New York Lady Liberties. She's the winningest coach in my fictional women's pro hockey league. And she has been married and divorced. She's a single mom. And she's an ice queen because she's always lived in other people's shadows. Her father is a retired NHL legend. Her ex-wife is one of those exercise gurus on YouTube. (laughs) So she would much rather prefer to be known for her own merits and her own accomplishments that she's made in her career. And so she definitely doesn't want to be with someone else famous again. So Regan, of course, becomes the head coach of the arch rival team, the Boston Ice, and pretty much instantly is like, oh, yeah, Tierney's cute. I always liked her. So there was that thing that happened in the early 20s. No big deal. So it's a lot of fun to have these two have an on-ice rivalry that sort of leaks off into their personal lives and how they have to work through personal issues as well as their on-ice rivalry. Tierney's hot. Maybe it's my ice queen thing, but she definitely melted me. See what I did there? (laughs) Yeah, she's definitely, she's one of those women that is really, really beautiful, but never smiles. And you know, like people in her life have told her, you'd be so much prettier if you smiled. So she's worked very hard on her resting bitch face. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Your first three sapphic books all feature women's ice hockey. When did you discover your love for hockey? And will there be any more books in this series? I was a late convert to hockey. (laughs) I live in the Chicago area and it's a really big hockey community. I was just never really into it. And then in my 20s, this idea popped into my head for a hockey romance. It was a male hockey player, but I literally was like, I don't know anything about hockey. I guess I'll learn about hockey. So I bought the book Hockey for Dummies. And, <laughs> you know, I just started like watching it on TV and learned about the sport. And then I fell in love with the sport. And years ago, I wrote two books with one had a male hockey coach, and then the other one had a male and female goalies. And those books never went anywhere as as they shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got into women's hockey because of that goalie book. And so I always was interested in women's hockey. That kind of stayed with me as just thinking women's hockey was super cool and it needed more exposure. You know, the only time anyone paid attention was every four years at the Olympics. And so it's super cool now that there's a women's pro league And there's also a players association that's trying to get a league going as well. So there's a lot of really cool opportunities for women's hockey. 
And as far as the Out on the Ice series, I would like there to be one more book in the series. I think it needs the completion at four books. I did set up two characters in Calling the Shots to be next book main characters. I won't say who they are because if you haven't read the book, (laughs) I don't want to give any spoilers. I can say that there would be a time jump a bit. It would be like a year after the end of Calling the Shots. So like a full season has passed. And I also kind of need to like get past the Olympic because some players would be involved with the Olympics. So I kind of just have to be like, a year has passed. Um, But I can say there will definitely be another short story. And I think we'll talk a little bit later about my favorite supporting character. So that's that's my teaser for future question. (laughs) Tell me about your Christmas themed story. It's a fabulous life. And if you found a publisher after Hallmark's publishing closed up shop. Yeah, this is my wonderful sapphic. It's a wonderful life retelling. It features Bailey George. Now, if you're a fan of It's a Wonderful Life, you know that (laughs) his name is George Bailey. Wink. (laughs) So Bailey George is a small town realtor who's basically had big dreams to get out, but something always happens and she's forced to stay in Lanford Falls. And her high school crush, Maria Hatcher, moves back to town and they could possibly rekindle their relationship if Bailey didn't want to get out of town so bad. And I can say that the angels are drag queens. Nice. They are the fabulous <laughs> portion of It's a Fabulous Life and arguably my favorite scenes to write in the book. And um, there's also very cute adopted dogs because you have to have dogs in books, right? <laughs> you have to. Unfortunately, I was contracted to write it for Hallmark Publishing and it was going to be their first LGBTQ plus title. It was very exciting. Um, Unfortunately, Hallmark Publishing has closed its doors and they're not going to publish anything new. So I I have an agent and we have it back out on submission for another publishing house to snap up. So that's where we're at right now. As always with publishing, I can't say anything more than that, but I do hope to have good news to share with you all soon. (laughs) So stay tuned. (laughs) Writing the first book in the Out on the Ice series helped you realize your bisexuality. What was the catalyst for writing a book featuring a same-sex love story? As I mentioned earlier, I always liked women's hockey. I always followed it and paid attention. And it was the 2018 Olympic women's hockey gold medal game that you recall was between uh, the U.S. and Canada, because it almost always is. And it went (laughs) into overtime, and then it went into a shootout. And it was like super dramatic. I think it was like one in the morning, at least for me, when that game wrapped up. And you know, the United States won the shootout. And I was crying because I'm a goober. And, <laughs> you know, it's one of those weird things about being a writer where like you feel like you're a part of a world, even if you've never actually been in the world. So I've always sort of had this like affinity for the women's national team. And I was like, wow, I like really miss writing about hockey and the hockey world. And for this particular gold medal game, they were featuring all of these real life stories about cross-border romances. You know, the former team captains of Team Canada and Team US were married and had just had a baby. And so all these people, you know, were just like, oh my God, it's so cute. It happens in real life all the time. And so of course my writer brain went, bing, plot bunnies. (laughs) Like I should write a women's hockey book. And my initial idea was actually what should be like enemies to lovers, US Canadian And that ended up becoming the second book in the series, Unexpected Goals, because the idea I had for the first book, Out on the Ice, didn't fit that cross-border romance setup. So I had these ideas and I was like, well, yeah, they should. I mean, they obviously like have to be female-female romances. And then very quickly I went, but 
that's not my story to tell (laughs) because I'm straight. Wink, wink. (laughs) I went on this art imitating life, imitating life, imitating art journey where it was like, well, maybe I can write this story and then maybe it's not weird and maybe I'm having thoughts and feelings. And so, (laughs) yeah, I actually went on my own personal journey and sort of was like, oh, now things are making sense in my personal life. So it was kind of cool going through a personal journey while my characters were going through their journeys as well. Yeah. So now I'm happily out and open and writing these awesome stories. Excellent. Sometimes it just takes a little longer. I was a late bloomer myself. Yeah, I was in my early 40s. So (laughs) mid 30s for me. (laughs) We got there, though. It's fine. When did you discover your love for writing? And what were your first stories about? I was always making up stories. As a little kid, I think the first things I wrote were animal stories, like about kittens and bunnies. Just adorable kid things. Um, It's actually funny. In Calling the Shots, Tierney's daughter, Hope, she's eight years old in the book, and she writes animal stories. So I gave her that one from my real life. And then when I was middle school and probably like older than someone would admit they play with Barbies, I had a ton of Barbies. And I had this white shelf that I made their like apartment building. And (laughs) it was the Barbie apartment dramas, like of all the drama happening of the residents. That's like Melrose Place. It was was like (laughs) Melrose Place, but like supremely dorky, but lots of drama. And then when I was like in junior high and then in high school, I uh, started writing teen romances, which are hysterically bad. I still have all of them because I can never get rid of them. It's basically, you know, when you're like 11 and have never like held hands with a boy, let alone, you know, anything else. They're so silly and they're just bad. And for some reason, there was like a fist fight in every one of them. There was always like a jerk guy and like the (laughs) hero guy inevitably would punch the jerk guy. It happened in every one of them. I don't know why, (laughs) but uh, they were really funny, but I had a lot of fun writing them. I still have fun reading them. So I sincerely hope I've, I've improved my craft. since then. <laughs> I don't know. You don't have nearly enough fistfights from what I've read of your books. So no. Far. And I mean, I'm writing hockey romances and there's no fistfights. So <laughs> I, you really need to strive for better in book four. I I, there's just going to have to be a random <laughs> fistfight for no That's reason. Right. <laughs> Who's your favorite supporting character from one of your books? Ah, it is Gina Morales from the Out on the Ice series. I love Gina so much. <laughs> uh, it's like not even a secret. Yeah, she, she just kind of came into out on the ice. My my supporting characters often just like show up and are like, so I'm here now and I'm amazing and just going to kind of take over every scene. And yeah, she's out sort of like, maybe she has a secret in, in out on the ice, the first book. And then in the second book, you find out what her secret is and like how she she's going on her own personal journey with her sexuality and and it's, it's been kind of rough for her. And then in Calling the Shot, she's like out about it and she's owning it more and teaser, she may find a romance of her own. And I also, um, I've been writing her story as short bonus stories that take place between the books in the series. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, you can actually get those for free. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's kind of a nice way to tell her story and her journey while also sort of putting like little teaser bridges between each book. So yeah, if you are a Gina fan, I can tell you another one is coming early next year. 
I'm not sure when exactly, maybe March-ish. Sort of depends on what's happening with my actual books I have to write schedule. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that'll be her story. And you'll actually see some of the things that happen in Calling the Shots, um, simply because she's a supporting character. You don't like see it on page, but you'll see it happen in her bonus story. If you could have dinner with only one of your couples, which one would you choose and why? I would choose Maisie and Jen from Unexpected Goals. They're both pretty chill (laughs) and they are, Maisie is a vegan and Jen is a vegetarian and I'm a vegetarian. So I know for sure it'd be a meal that we'd all be able to eat. (laughs) I think I would have a good time with them like on a personal level. I think that Amy and Carol from Out on the Ice, Amy is a chatterbox. So I'd have to be in the mood. Yeah, I have to be in the mood. for That'd be like the couple you go out with and you're like, okay, yeah, Amy's going to talk a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Pre-drink for that. Yeah. Yeah. And Carol would have really good stories, though, because she is like a former women's hockey legend. And so I think she'd have a lot of good stories. And actually, um, for Tierney and Regan from Calling the Shots, Regan would have some really good stories. So that's the couple you go out with if you just want to hear some good stories. And Tierney would just pretend like she doesn't want to be there. (laughs) I know. And I'd saunter over because those are the people I want to be with. Yeah, totally. The ones I need to break down a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are Midwestern neighbors. You're in Chicago and I'm not far from St. Louis. What do you like about living in Chicago? And if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? You know, it's a great city. I live in the suburbs and there's so much to do around here. Like that's one of the great things about Chicago is, you know, if you want sports, if you want world-class theater, if you want a beautiful lakefront, like everything that you want in a city is either a drive or a train ride away. And, you know, the suburban area is huge and it's got just as much. I mean, there's pockets that are almost small cities that we have great theater and I'm a theater person. Most of my family lives here. My friends live here. So it's kind of just nice to have everybody nearby. You've done a lot of theater. What's the appeal for you and who would you most like to appear in a play with living or dead? Yeah, it's a lot like writing. I love to create worlds and people. And I also, I really enjoyed wearing costumes in theater. (laughs) It was like one of my favorite parts. So I definitely have fun dressing my characters as well as like, you know, finding where they live. That's so much fun when you get to go on Zillow and not put like the price cap for like the, what, like normal people, I guess, you know, it was fun for calling the shots. I was looking up, you know, like lofts in Brooklyn and just like sky's the limit how much everything, it doesn't matter price-wise. That's always super fun. There's a great social aspect to doing theater. Writing and, you know, the writing community is a wonderful place, but the actual act of writing, you just kind of sit by yourself for very long periods of time and talk to yourself. So it's nice to get out and talk to people and socialize. And um, that was one of the things a lot of people missed during the lockdown and, you know, during uh, earlier pandemic times when, when there just wasn't a lot of theater and stuff, people were just missing that like social aspect, getting out, seeing people, doing stuff with people. And yeah, I I really enjoy entertaining people and informing them. And sort of my, you know, my life's purpose, if you want to get deep, is to bring joy to people's lives. So theater, like writing, is just a fantastic way to do that. And of course, the person I'd most like to appear in a play with, it's going to have to be Kate Blanchett. And, you know, not just for like personal reasons. I mean, (laughs) obviously that might be one of them. Rewatched Carol the other night and I was like, I mean, it would just be so cool. 
somebody who's just such a good actor to work with that person, you know, like a good actor makes the actors around them better. So I would just really like to see her process, you know, and like be in a scene with her. And we would talk fashion in the green room because she's like my fashion icon. So we're going to go for the full fantasy here, right? Like what we're talking about That's right. in the green room where she gets her suits because I'm obsessed with oh, her yes. suit. Her suit game is on point. It's very solid. Have you seen Tar yet? I have not. Yeah, that's good. She's amazing. Yeah, it looks kind of deep. I know I'm going to have to be in the mood. Yeah, my partner didn't like it because she wasn't a nice person. And I'm like, well, she's not supposed to be Yeah, a nice person. Well, I don't like it. I want people to be nice. I'm like, well, then you're watching the wrong kind of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it's an actor that you really like, too. You're like, I don't want to see her being not nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big fan of 80s movies. Which are your favorites and which 80s star did you have the big, biggest crush on back in the day? I loved all of the John Hughes teen movies. It's actually funny. The area that I grew up in, it's called the North Shore in Chicago. And most of those movies were filmed around here. So it is kind of funny yep. to, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's where that was filmed. That's where that was filmed. One of my friends, she'd been to the house that like the house party in... Um, 16 Candles was like, that was like her friend's house. It was just like, <laughs> it's very strange sometimes <laughs> growing up where all these movies were made. I was like a tiny bit young to be watching those. So for me, that's what like, I just figured that's what high school was like. And it was going to be amazing. I also love 80s horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, that's, I don't, I don't know if it's a personal or a, like, it was just around me. Like my brother's really into horror movies. A lot of like my friends were, some of the guys that I dated were really into horror movies. I think like it just happened that I was always around them. But I also find them sort of like comforting in a way because it, it like reminds me of childhood. And, you know, even though people are being chainsawed in half, <laughs> I'm like, yay. <laughs> yay. It's, it's comforting. Yeah, comfort <laughs> chainsaws. <laughs> I had a huge crush on Michael J. Fox. Uh, you know, his Alex P. Keaton himself. And then I found out he was like 25 or something, you know, like something as an adult is like no big deal. But when I was like eight, it was like, oh, my God, he's so old. But uh, you <laughs> well, know. that's a good choice. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a d good dude in real life, too. And, and uh, you know, continues to just just be a good dude. So I'm I, I will always have that soft spot in my heart for Michael J. Fox. Mine was Scott Bayo, so I've been disappointed for a long time now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like Ricky Schroeder, yeah. too, but now I'm like, eh, I'm not going to talk about mm. that. <laughs> oh, I like Kirk Cameron, too. Also disappointing. Why stop disappointing us childhood crushes? Oh, it's ridiculous. But I still have Bruce Springsteen, and he'll never disappoint me. Yeah. What is something about you that would come as a surprise? Um, maybe this goes with my horror movies confession. I love ghost hunting <laughs> TV shows. I like wow. love them. I like I was watching them last night. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I know some people who do ghost hunting actually. I've never done it with them because I'm like convinced something would attach itself to me and like come home with me. But yeah, I think yeah. it's really cool. And you know, it's just like there's just so much we don't know and it's just kind of neat to see like what what possibly else could be going on in in our world that we're not seeing. Yeah, much safer to watch at home than to go on a on a ghost hunt yourself. Totally, I and I'm sure. Yeah, like, I would not do that. Yeah, and I always watching it, and I'm like, oh, I would not overreact. You're like, they are they are overreacting so badly. I know I'd probably like poop myself if I was in yeah, like a haunted bad. building and <laughs> heard a voice in my ear or something. Well, if that happened, that would be the most watched episode of that show ever. Right, right. Ratings boom. <laughs> 
Kelly, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Oh, thank you so much. This was a blast. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Kelly Farmer for joining me. This episode was recorded back in November, but held due to the HarperCollins strike. Since recording, Kelly has found a publisher for It's a Fabulous Life. It will be released on October 7th by Alcove Press. To learn more about Kelly and find links to purchase her books, visit kellyfarmerauthor.com. To support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sapeclaura or join my Patreon at patreon.com slash sapecbookreviewpod where you can hear your favorite authors play Would You Rather. Here's a sample of today's with Kelly Farmer. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, happy reading. Would you rather have a tattoo of the title of the last book you read or the last TV show you watched? You know, I would have to say book. Maybe it's a slight cheat, but I'm currently reading uh, an anthology called Amore Actually. And I think it'd be way better to have a, you know, a tattoo of Amore Actually than like ghost hunters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like I think Haunted Scotland might have been the last TV show I watched. I'm not sure. Yeah. So. That would be a weird tattoo. Yeah. People would be like, Okay, but a more actually just be like, oh, that's lovely. <laughs>